Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Hey, thanks, Moses. These are days to be praying and seeking, trusting the Lord for His intervention in our city, in our nation. And so uh, we're excited about 21 days of prayer and fasting, starting from the the 1st of September. And uh, we encourage everyone to get involved, to join in this time of prayer and fasting. Uh, So maybe if you've done a uh, what we call a full fast, meaning you only take water. So we, we, don't, we don't encourage that you do uh, nil by mouth, meaning you don't do water at all. Uh, we encourage a full fast would be water only. Uh, if you've never done that, maybe do that for one day. If you've done it for uh, maybe one day, then do it for maybe three days. If you've done it for three days, then maybe stretch yourself and go for seven or maybe ten. And, uh, but let the, let the Lord guide you and lead you as you fast. Otherwise, Daniel fast. Um, taking a slice of cucumber and a slice of tomato, as you saw in the video announcements for every, I'm just kidding. But uh, Daniel Fast would be taking in fruit and vegetables only. Um, and then also media fast. Uh, I think a lot of the time we, we get so caught up and distracted by our cell phones, by our TVs, by the news, the radio, uh, and just silencing all of that, that you got more time to pray. Um, over these 21 days. And so we encourage everyone to be, be praying as families and as individuals, uh, but also corporately. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be gathering corporately uh, every evening through those 21 days, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Thursday to Sunday, we'll gather uh, probably going to be from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., uh, have a time of corporate, uh, corporate prayer. So put that in your calendars and we'll be sending more information. But uh, looking forward to this time of of seeking his kingdom uh, and seeking his intervention in our nation. You guys excited? Yeah. And the fasting will probably do the waste well as good. <laughs> All right. So uh, John, John's off in Zambia this weekend. Uh, so we got a, a whole bunch of churches linked and related, related to us in Zambia. And so they got their national conference. So John's ministering there. And uh, there's also a handover of, of leadership. And so John's there too. Uh, lay hands and pray for and, and speak, encourage, share the, the gospel in Zambia. That's where he is. So I encourage you guys to be praying for him uh, the, the rest of this morning. He, he flies back later on tonight. Uh, but because he's in Zambia, it means I have the, the privilege and opportunity of sharing with you guys. And so looking forward to that. So if you have your Bible, if you can open up to Acts chapter 9. And I have a, a very simple but hopefully encouraging and provoking message for us. And so my, my sermon title, as you can see on the screen, is uh, Ordinary Ananias. And so we're going we're gonna to read this passage all the way from verse 1 to verse 19. Now let me just give you the context here. This is the book of Acts. And so Jesus has, uh, you know, been born. He's done a whole bunch of miracles and ministry on the face of the earth. Um, We've seen him do extraordinary things. He's uh, been crucified. He's died. He's rose again. And as we all know, then Jesus then spends about 40 days where he uh, has these appearances to the disciples until finally 40 days after his resurrection, he then ascends into heaven. And so in the book of Acts, this is, this is the context. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. And uh, we're now reading about the, the, the church, the early church uh, being birthed, really. So Jesus is no longer present, but the Holy Spirit is present. And so in the book of Acts, we're reading about all the extraordinary things that are taking place uh, by the disciples. 
So it's just important to note that, that Jesus is now ascended and he is with the Father. And so if you got your Bible, read with me from verse number one in Acts chapter nine. So it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So let's just pause over there. So Saul, as we're going to see a bit later, he becomes, and his English name is Paul. So whenever we read about the apostle Paul, this is, this is the guy that this passage is talking about. So he's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked, for, uh, asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners um, to Jerusalem. So Saul is the guy who's not yet a believer. He hasn't yet met Jesus. And so he is persecuting all the Christians, all the people that, that believe Jesus is the Son of God, who are following the Lord. He's persecuting them. Um, he's putting them in prison. He, he's the bad guy. So as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because I think that's kind of what the voice of God sounds like. I, I don't know. <laughs> Who are you, Lord? Saul asks. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And we're going to end it over there.
I'm sure we've all read this story, we've all heard of this story, I'm sure we're all somewhat familiar with this story. You've maybe heard uh, people reference uh, Damascus Road experience. They're referring to Saul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus as he's on his way to go and uh, persecute the believers and then he has this profound encounter with Jesus and everything turns, everything changes and he ends up uh, getting born again, saved, uh, baptized and becomes one of the greatest apostles uh, that, that we read about in, in the scriptures and probably one of the greatest apostles uh, that, that's ever lived. And so it's this Damascus Road experience as everything changes as he encounters the Lord. So I want to pull a, a couple of thoughts out of this story. And then there's, there's one uh, kind of main point that I'm going to get to uh, about three quarters of the way through, which, which is the main thing I want us to take out, which, which hopefully will be something that you uh, will be a, be a blessing and of interest to you that you maybe haven't, haven't put together in reading this story before. So the first thing I want us to draw attention to is, is this profound encounter that Saul has and then that Ananias has. And I want to encourage us and say that these are days of encounter. I believe the Lord is near and present, and He wants to have encounters with His people, with His sons and with His daughters, you and I. God is still uh, the same God as He was, uh, you know, when we read this story. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, as, the, you know, the same way Ananias could hear Him and uh, have this encounter with Him, the way, same way that Saul encountered Jesus, God wants to have encounters with us in a similar fashion. And so be ready. Uh, to encounter the Lord in special and profound ways. But as we read about Ananias, um, so in Acts chapter 22, so a couple chapters later on, Paul now retells the same story. And, uh, and so he, he kind of tells it back to, to, to the leaders. And uh, in Acts 22 verse 12, he refers to Ananias as a devout um, follower, a devout Christ follower. You see, Jesus is looking for devout followers. He's looking for people that are, that are sold out, that are committed, that are filled with faith and ready to follow Jesus no matter what the cost is. And so I think Jesus was looking for a devout believer to, to speak to, to send to, to Saul. And so he finds in Ananias a devout follower of Christ. God today is still looking for devout followers. And let's be those people that are set apart, that are, that are so passionate and faithful for the Lord that the, the Lord's eye will be drawn to us and he'll speak to us and use us in, in encouraging and profound ways. So Saul has this encounter with Jesus. I mean, it's, pretty, it's a pretty crazy like sound and light show. He gets blinded by the light. He hears the audible voice of God. I mean, that, this is, imagine you're in that situation. You're, you're, you're persecuting all the Christians, maybe before you were saved. And, uh, and, and now the, the one you're persecuting all of a sudden reveals himself to you. I mean, this is, this is a radical encounter. Everything that you'd believed was true all of a sudden is undone. And you're like, wait a minute, I have to recalibrate everything. And so as Saul is in this kind of mental recalibration as he realizes Jesus is real, all the Lord says to him is, go into the city and I'll give you more instruction. I mean, can you imagine how frustrating that must have been for Saul? Like the, the guy who he's been saying is not real just revealed himself to him. He's just encountered him. And now like he probably wants, he's got a million questions, I would imagine, running through his mind. And all he gets is, 
go into the town and you'll get, you'll get more information there. But sometimes that's how the Lord ministers to us. That's, that's sometimes how he speaks to us. Sometimes he just gives us the next step. He gives us just the next instruction, and we need to follow that. Because, come on, if you're anything like me, we want to see the whole story. We want to see where does it start, where does it end, what's the beginning, what's the middle, you know, how does it start to come to an end, like what is the fruit of the story, what's the purpose of the story, why are we doing this, who are we going to be doing this with? Come on, we've got all of these questions about the journey where sometimes Jesus just tells us the next step on the journey. And I think I, think I probably do this sometimes, and I, I would wonder maybe if some of you have done the same, that maybe God gives us the next step in the journey, and, and we sit on that information because we're waiting for more information. But you see, the, the next information, the next revelation only comes when we act upon what we've got. And so Saul takes the information that he's got and blindly gets led into Damascus and then there he waits praying and as he's praying he then has a vision but when the Lord just gives you the next step do that step do what you do what you can with what you've got Uh, don't wait till you've got the whole picture because you might wait for the rest of your life so then Saul's had his encounter with the Lord And now Ananias, this devout follower, he now has his own encounter with the Lord as the Lord starts speaking to him, as the Lord calls out to him and and gives him a whole bunch of information. But the interesting and intriguing thing I find about this, this encounter that Ananias has is that he seems very okay with it. Now, most of the time when we read the scripture and someone has an encounter with the Lord, an encounter with an angel, if you read the passages, almost always it says, peace be with you, or like relax, it's okay, because people freak out when they have supernatural experiences or encounters. I mean, when, when Jesus, after his resurrection, when he has, uh, you know, he reveals himself to the disciples on a number of occasions, and they're hiding away, the doors are locked, uh, they're behind brick walls, and Jesus walks in through the walls, and, and then he says, peace be with you, it is I because they freak out, because they're having a supernatural encounter. And how did this person get in through the door? Because the door's locked. And, but there he is. When people have supernatural encounters, they normally freak out. Yet Ananias doesn't. He's just kind of like, yes, Lord. He recognizes the voice. He, he doesn't panic. And so it makes me wonder. I know it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I wondered, what, was this a regular occurrence that Ananias would hear the voice of the Lord, that the Lord would speak to him in, in intimate and, uh, and unique ways. I don't know if that is the case, but what I do feel and sense in the Lord is that that's what God wants to do. God wants to be uh, so personal with each one of us. He wants to be so intimate with each one of us. He wants to speak to us and guide us and lead us in, in very specific and detailed ways. I mean, the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 10, we read about Cornelius. Uh, you, you can read it in Acts 10, verse 2 to 4. Now, Cornelius is also uh, described as a devout believer. And uh, an angel of the Lord uh, comes to Cornelius to also give him a message. And, and what does Cornelius do as he's encountering the angel of the Lord? It says, he stared at him in fear. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He's having a supernatural encounter. And so he just freezes and stares at the angel in fear. It's the almost natural response when we're having a supernatural encounter. And so all the more for Ananias to just, you know, 
go with the flow and, and, and not, not freak out or panic as Jesus is, is speaking to him. Um, God wants to speak to us in the same way he did to Ananias and to Cornelius. And maybe we freak out the first couple times uh, when an angel appears or when the Lord himself appears or when we hear an audible voice, whatever it might be. But the more I think we encounter his presence in these profound supernatural ways, the, the more we become familiar with him and with how supernatural he is. So we now have these tensions in Scripture as well. For Saul, he just gets, go to Damascus. But yet Ananias, kind of momentary later, I guess, as Jesus is now speaking to Ananias, um, Ananias gets all sorts of detail. He, he gets Saul's name. He tells him that, um, Jesus tells him that he revealed himself to Saul. Jesus tells him um, where Saul's going to be. Jesus tells Ananias that he's blind. Jesus tells him uh, that he needs to go and pray for him that he might see. Jesus tells him uh, that I say already the address of where to find him. Jesus tells him that he needs to declare and prophesy his prophetic destiny over him. Jesus tells him he needs to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are all sorts of very, very specific detailed information that Ananias gets from the Lord. So sometimes the Lord is just going to speak to you and say, this is the next step, and it's going to be very vague and unclear. Act on that and do something with it. At other times, God's going to give you very, very specific details. He's going to give you words of knowledge. He's going to give you a dream when you're sleeping at night about a friend of yours from India who is asking you a question about whether you should tithe on gross or on net, so that then when you phone your friend and you ask him, and you start chatting to him, and you then discover that they are busy asking themselves that very question, and you, you then realize that God has given you the very specific details so that you can be the answer and, so, and the solution to that very need. You see, God wants to speak to you with specifics, and so he's looking for devout people like Magesh who will just say, God, here I am, will you speak to me? Devout people like Ananias who are saying, God, I'm here and I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to give you my everything. And that when we posture ourselves in that manner, God is going to be speaking to us with prophetic words, with words of knowledge, with words of wisdom, with solutions to the problems that we see in our country, in our families. God has the specific details and he wants to share them with us. Amen. So it's wonderful to get the specific details. <laughs> but it also comes with its challenges. I mean, just imagine for a moment if Osama bin Laden was still around. The FBI hadn't found him yet. And this is the guy persecuting all the Christians. And Jesus appears to you in a vision, speaks to you. You audibly hear his voice. You have this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus tells you, this is, there's this guy named Osama. This is his address. This is where he is. You need to go and pray for him because he's blind because he encountered me and he's waiting for you. And you need to do this and this and this and this and this. I don't know about you guys, but I'm probably like, I probably said to my wife like, Babes, what did you do in the dinner last night? But I had some weird dreams. Or I'm, I'm having some hallucinations. Something, something weird's going on. Like, uh, 
I'd probably be trying to justify every reason why that wasn't the Lord because I don't, I don't want to do that because I'm afraid. Ananias is having that same kind of thought process and he says to the Lord, but God, this is the guy that's coming to persecute us. Like, are you sure, God? Like, are you, uh, have you had enough of me? And are you just leading me to my execution? Or like, what's going on here, Jesus? But the Lord says, go. This is my chosen instrument. Sometimes the Lord just speaks in, in the form of command. You know, sometimes as a parent, you can suggest things to your children. And sometimes you can tell or command your children what to do. And I think every parent knows the difference between a suggestion and an instruction. And so Ananias gets a firm instruction. Go. This is my chosen instrument. You see, I think oftentimes God speaks to us with the specifics. He speaks to us with details about what we need to do or where we need to go. And uh, I think sometimes we maybe start following and then we find ourselves at a doorway. And the doorway is called fear. And are we going to walk through that doorway onto the other side into our destiny? Or are we going to stay stuck on the other side of the doorway? We all face this situation probably almost on a daily basis, if we're honest. Especially if we're saying, God, will you speak to us? And then he does. And then you find yourself in that situation. What are you going to do? Let's be a people that walk through that doorway called fear and step into destiny. Because almost always I find in my experience and I find it in the scriptures, I find it in friends that I journey with that almost always destiny is on the other side of the doorway called fear. And will we walk through that doorway? Will we remain trapped and stuck on the other side of fear? See, God has given you not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, of self-control. And so we have the ability to look at that door and say, I was born for this. I was born to walk through this doorway into my destiny and that this, this fear that's trying to hold me back has no permission and has no hold on me because I'm a son or a daughter of the king and I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit of power. And so in that moment when fear knocks on the door, when you see it in front of you, Remind yourselves that you're a bold, powerful person and nothing can stop you from walking through that door into destiny and changing someone else's life. Because what would have happened to Saul had Ananias stopped at that door called fear? We'll come back to that in a moment. Saul's encounter, let's go back to that sound and light show Saul, Saul. I mean, profound encounter with Jesus. Absolutely profound. What are, what are some of the profound encounters you've had with Jesus? And so when I think back on my own life, I, I think probably the most profound encounter I've had was the moment I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's just like it, was like, it was dark and now it's light. It didn't make sense, it now makes sense. Just everything changes in that moment as the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and fills you and lives. He dwells within you, baptized, fully submerged within his presence. I would hope and I would think that probably for many of us, that that moment, that encounter of baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the most profound encounters with the Lord uh, that we'll probably have on this side of the earth. We pray that there'll be more, but I know that that is 
almost always a, a significant marking moment in your life. So Ananias has the profound moment with, with Jesus, but then he has another profound moment with Ananias. I mean, another profound moment, I think, if maybe you've ever encountered the Lord, if you've needed, been in a place of, of desperate need for healing, and the Lord comes through and touches you supernaturally, and instantly you're healed. I mean, imagine Saul. He's, 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 he's been able to see his whole life, and now he, this encounter with Jesus, he's now blind. He cannot see. And then Ananias comes, and all of a sudden he can see. I mean, that's another profound encounter, I'm sure, for, for many of you as well, as you've encountered uh, Jesus as healer. It's a, it's a marking moment in your life. See, Saul has this profound encounter with Jesus, but he has another profound encounter with Jesus that Ananias facilitates. I think we all think about the the moment where the sound and light show takes place on the Damascus Road. But what is that encounter without Ananias? That encounter is Saul left incapacitated, confused, blind, not eating, not drinking, but he's praying. You see, when we work through this encounter, and this is, this is where it gets juicy, Jesus encounters Saul. I mean, he, he leaves the, the throne. He's at the right, right hand of Father. I mean, I don't know where. God is everywhere, so I'm, I'm being a bit comical. But he's, he's with Father. He comes down and he reveals himself to Saul in this profound, profound manner. And then says to him, can I just go to Damascus and wait there? And then he goes to Ananias and gives him all this instruction. And tells Ananias that he needs to go and do all of this critically important stuff, like praying for his eyes to open, speaking prophetic destiny over him, praying for him for the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now the question I ask myself is, why didn't Jesus just do all of that when he encountered Saul? I mean, he went to all of that trouble to interrupt Saul's journey on the way to Damascus, why didn't he just finish everything there in that one encounter, baptize him in the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's Jesus. Jesus, Holy Spirit, it's like they won. <laughs> why did it, it, it just make so much more sense to do it all there in one go? Like, why would he rely and wait on Ananias to go and do all of this other stuff? You see, I think when we look at the story we can see clearly and plainly that God wants to partner and flow through ordinary people like Ananias, ordinary people like you and like me. You see, he could have done it all, but he didn't. He left a whole bunch of the essential steps in Saul's conversion process for a man to come and do, an ordinary man called Ananias. So let me just give you some context on Ananias. This is the only passage of Scripture that we read about Ananias. There are two other Ananiases that we read. But for this Ananias, this is the only time we, we read about him. One, one story, one encounter that we, we have reference to in the Scriptures about this Ananias. Just an ordinary guy. 
but encountering Jesus and doing extraordinary things. So let's take, let's take a little look at, at some of the things that take place now. Again, Saul is blind. It's only when Ananias comes and lays hands on him and prays for him that something like scales fall from his eyes and he can see. See, God is looking for ordinary people like you and me, like Ananias, to go and set the blind free that they might see again. He's not necessarily looking for an apostle Paul. He's looking for an ordinary person like you and me to heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, to cast out demons. God wants to work and flow through ordinary people. See, Ananias then speaks that prophetic destiny over Saul. Saul doesn't get much information from the Lord other than go and wait. Again, Jesus is right there. He's already speaking to him audibly. Yet he chooses to reveal his destiny via the prophetic word through Ananias. You see, God is so committed to flowing through people like you and me. Why am I saying all of this? Because I think too often we disqualify ourselves and we say, oh, but, but God, you're sovereign and you can just do it. And yes, he can, but he chooses to flow through you and me. He chooses to find an ordinary Ananias who's devout, who's seeking the Lord, who's praying, who's after, um, after the things of the kingdom to say, all right, come, let's go and do this together. Why? I think because one of the greatest joys and privileges we get on the face of the earth is to partner with Jesus, to co-labor with him, to, to have the privilege of God himself flowing through you, changing the course of history. Saul, English Paul, goes on to write like half of the New Testament. And what would have happened if there wasn't an Ananias? What would have happened if Ananias stuck on the other side of the doorframe called fear? What would have happened? God wants to speak prophetically through you, just like he did with Megesh through his dream to encourage his brother in America now. God wants to speak powerfully and prophetically. He wants to bring uh, prophetic vision and destiny to people that are lost or confused, that don't know which way is up or down, uh, that, are, that are, you know, battling some of the questions of faith. God wants to speak prophetically through ordinary people like you and me. Are we listening? Again, Jesus doesn't go and baptize Saul. He leaves it to Ananias. Jesus doesn't cleanse him even of his sins in the moment on the Damascus road. He sends Ananias. You see, there's lost people out there. There's people that are coming into the faith as, as the gospel gets preached. And Jesus wants to send ordinary people like you and like me, ordinary Ananias, to teach, to preach, to baptize in the Holy Spirit, to cleanse people of their sins as we lead them in the understanding of the, the fullness of the cross and what Jesus did, that we might be forgiven and that we might become righteous because of what Jesus had done. 
I mean, I find it so mind-boggling that Jesus could have done all of that in that encounter, that moment on the Damascus Road. I mean, Jesus was the one that laid down his life for Saul, and yet Jesus doesn't tell him the whole story. He leaves it up to Ananias. Mind-boggling for me at least. You see, in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you, because they freaked out because he appeared. Supernatural encounter. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't just say, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. He meant it. And he demonstrates how much he means it when we read the story of, of Saul's encounter because he could have done it all, but he didn't. He leaves so much up to Ananias. He leaves so much for him to do because he's demonstrating the point and the, 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 the whole mandate of us as the church. Jesus saying, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And that's what he's saying to us this morning. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And I know we've heard this before and we've, we've, we've thought about this before probably, but, but does it really make sense? Does it really resonate fully in our hearts? Do we embrace it to the point where we're saying, all right, God, well, if, if, if you left Saul in such a place of confusion, bewilderment, incapacitated, and you, you did so much through, through this guy, Ananias. How many others are there out there like that? And so the question I have for us is, how many souls are there out there in the world today? Blinded from their encounter with Jesus, but still confused. Waiting for Ananias to walk through the door. And do the rest of the encounter. I mean, if he did it with Saul, I wonder how many others there might be. God is sovereign. I'm sure he makes a way and uh, sends someone else if we miss it. But let's not miss these moments where God speaks to us like he did with Ananias, with these specific details, whether it's in a dream or whether it's an audible voice, whether it's just a, a sense you have, whether it's in your mind's eye. As God speaks to us, let's be people that, that, that follow through with the action because when you do that, you will find it is the greatest place of joy and fulfillment on this side of eternity when we get to partner with Jesus when we get to see the course of history changed because of a small simple thing that we get to do along with Jesus see Jesus wants to accomplish his kingdom purpose on earth through people he can do it sovereignly but he chooses to do it through people. And so let's be that people. Let's, let's, let's be that people that say, God, yeah, we are. Send us. Use us. Speak to us. Flow through us. Heal through us. Bring deliverance and freedom through us. God, use us to be the people that see incredible shift, change, transformation here in our city. What a privilege that we get to co-labor with Jesus. Greatest privilege, I think, 
that there, there ever is, that the, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth would choose to partner and work to flow through ordinary people like you and me. It's just mind-baffling and profound and an incredible privilege. And so, Lord, may, may, may we see and experience this more and more, that you'll work through us in profound and powerful ways. And so, will you stand? I want to pray for us as we close this morning. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we 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 love you, Lord. Lord, we want to encounter you like Saul encountered you. Lord, we want to encounter you in ways that are profound, that will shake us, that will rock us, that will change us for the rest of our lives. Lord, may we have Damascus Road experiences. Lord, but we also know that you speak to us in sometimes simple, sometimes quiet, sometimes profound, in many different ways. And so, Lord, just like you spoke to Ananias, will you speak to us? Give us specific details. Give us uh, prophetic insights. Give us words of knowledge. Give us words of wisdom, Lord. Speak to us in profound ways that we might see the solutions to the problems that we see in the world around us, to our friends, our colleagues. Speak to us with specific details that we might bring transformation into their lives, Lord. Father God, what a privilege that we get to partner with you. Lord, we ask that you will use us. And most importantly, Lord, that in this moment, this morning, that you will awaken our hearts to see and to know the truth that you do really want to work and flow through ordinary people, that you want, to, you, you want to speak to us in profound ways, that you're not necessarily looking for incredible apostles to do profound exploits for you, but you're just looking for ordinary, devout people like Ananias. Lord, when you speak to us, may we have boldness, may we have courage to walk through the doorframe called fear, that we will step into our destiny, that we will see other people's destinies fulfilled, that we will see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as we step through that doorframe called fear. And so thank you, Jesus. You give us boldness and courage that fear will not be a factor. Thank you, Lord, that fear will not be a factor. Lord, we want to see your name glorified. We want to see your name exalted here on earth, that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And you want to accomplish that through us. And so, Lord, help us to be those hands and those feet that as the Father sent you, that Jesus, you have sent us, help us to go. Amen. Amen.